This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And... I've got a bit of a changing rooms experience now, actually. So the Wales game took place and I decided that I had to need to shoot back home. So I'll come back to London to sort out a few things. I've had to do a bit of coaching with a team, the Barnet Panthers, and also to see the family. And so I've decided to take a bit of time out, keep my fingers crossed that England beat Senegal, and then I'll be out there again. But what I've done is I've crossed places with a couple, Andy and Kirsty, who, while I flew home... They had flown out. They've flown out to Qatar. They've been out there for a couple of days. So they started to have the experience in Qatar. So I thought, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over to them to get a little feel for what they're thinking about Qatar, how they've enjoyed their first few days and what their thoughts are on the England game against Senegal. So this is the day. It's a big day. It's the day of the England-Senegal game, the first knockout game for England in this World Cup. They, and I'm going to say it, breezed through the, through the group stages. Okay, they had a little hiccup in the USA, but they breezed through the group stages. And there's a bit of a sort of kind of swap situation going on now. As I've said to you, I'm actually back at home for a few days. I had to do a few chores, as we said, back at home, see the family, do a bit of football coaching with my team. So I'm back at home here, but I've actually swapped places with Andy and Kirsty, who are actually out in Qatar at the moment now. They've been here for a few days. Andy and Kirsty, how are you? Great, Billy. Uh happy to be here you know it's the world cup i mean back home it's cold and wet out here it's boiling hot it feels like a world cup it's a shame we didn't cross paths i was <laughs> hoping that we could get to meet up with you but you never know we still might we never know actually we're not going to t- i'm touching wood here i'm not going to say any more than that at the moment now um it's funny because we we've actually never met but we have, have kind of met because basically we're newspaper friends aren't we we basically keep on appearing <laughs> on the same newspaper articles normally in the guardian together like you know so it's like these newspaper friends pop up in the newspaper and then next minute before you knew it we had mutual friends on social media who kind of introduced us and then we became friends on social media <laughs> but, but we still haven't met each other so so this is probably the closest we're going to get, unless, of course, England do the job. Precisely, yes. It, it is ever so strange, isn't it? Because you, uh, we, we cross paths in, in print and online from Guardian articles and newspaper stuff. So it is it is great to finally talk to you. Yeah, that's nice. right. And must, yeah. Sorry, Pete. I was going to say, it must be, must be all the tofu we need that, that brings us together. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, it must be. But look, I mean, let's talk about your experience. I mean, as you you know, you may or may not have heard, we, we've talked about you know the last couple of weeks, the experience that we've been having in Qatar, which has been uh, we've had a we've had a great time. It's been very different, but you know we've had, we've had a great time uh, and you know finding different things to do. You know, back end of you know of the, of of there, we spent time at the Arabian Nights as well, which was like you know where a lot of the um the the, the Saudis and the Tunisians went down to watch a couple of matches down there, and that was great. So. It's just having these different experiences. I know you haven't been here for very long, but I'm just wondering kind of, you know, first of all, how was it for you back in England watching the World Cup? Because I can tell you what it's like for me, kind of only being back here for a couple of days watching the World Cup. And also, how has it been for you in your first couple of days in Qatar? Well, I think two things I'd say there. Firstly, very very frustrating being in England watching the World Cup. Originally, our plan was we got 12 consecutive games on 12 consecutive days from day one, including the opening game. Um, and unfortunately, uh, logistical issues meant that sort of only three weeks before we decided that we had to put those back on the FIFA website and come out for the second round, you know, the second round is the last 16, which is a risk because England, I know you said breathe, breathe through the group. <laughs> England never breathes through anything really. I think once in Japan, we beat Denmark 3-0, we were 3-0 up at half time and we thought, this is Christmas, this can't be possibly right. Um, but yeah, frustrating not to be out here. And I, I, I probably like most football fans, I don't like watching my own tele- my team on television. I like to be there because it, it just feels better to be there and, you know, face up to it sort of thing. How many World Cups have you been at? This is my ninth, Billy. Are you, same with me as well. We're, we're ninth yeah. World Cup partners as well. We're, and Kirsty, you were go. saying? I was just going to say, being out here as well, you're saying, you know, there's a whole different atmosphere. We've been spending a lot of time down at the Souk, um, Souk Wakif, because it just seems to be really, really happening. And all the fans are down there. The streets are packed. It's got a real, real kind of festival buzz about it. Um, so, yeah, that's where we spent some time. But we're going to do a bit more exploring today. That's yeah, and right. I think there's a lot. What, what, the, what they've done here is there's no doubt about it. They've embraced the organisation. I mean, you, you know, there's more people, I think, working at the World Cup than necessarily there are fans at some at some points. But I do think it's it's interesting. They've really they've they rolled the red carpet out. There are some of the fan zones that are more zone than fan, if you know what I'm saying. You know, um, and there's certainly not a lot of England fans out here that that, that we can, we can see. Um, but in, yeah, Billy, you know, when you've travelled to World Cups, there is one country that turns up en masse, right? There's plenty of Brazilian shirts. You'll see them all over the world, but less Brazilians. But Argentina, when they go to the World Cup, they come and they're Argentinians. They sing their songs. And I know we've got a like historic rivalry with them, but they are probably the most dedicated, devoted, fanatical fans on the planet. And they were out in force yesterday and last night. It was a privilege to be in that stadium. I decided um, to, to, to sort of show um, some brotherly love to the Australians by wearing my green and yellow shirt, which happened to be a 2010 Brazil shirt. So I thought, <laughs> here we go. We're going to go to Argentina game with a Brazil shirt on. Got a few looks. Um, but boy, was it good. And, and just being amongst the... I mean, Argentinian fans everywhere. And it was fantastic. They didn't stop singing. They didn't leave the stadium for like 45 minutes or an hour afterwards. It was just... It was a religious experience with that lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, and I know that, and I hear what you're saying because again, you know, I've experienced at Argentina every single World Cup since 19. 1998, I think it was actually. So I've yeah, I've seen them every World Cup. I mean, obviously, St. Etienne in 98, saw them there. Yeah. Obviously, met them in 2002 in Sapporo, which was a wonderful experience. I loved that. My first, my favourite ever World Cup day, I think that was. So my favourite England game, you know, when we beat them 1-0 and had the Alamo thrown at yeah. us, you know, and had the big yeah, all-night yeah. party in Sapporo and no Argentinians. There was not, we didn't see one Argentinian. You talk about them celebrating. They do celebrate maybe if they win, but if they lose... You don't yeah. see them for toffee. Absolutely not, you know. And then I've seen them all the way through different World Cups and I've seen them here and I do know that they turn up in their numbers. But I, <clears throat> if you listen back to previous podcasts as well, you just check them on Pride of West dot london as well if you go back a few episodes as well we spoke to some Mexican fans and they explained to us their rivalry with Argentina. Oh, yeah. Uh Big, big rivalry with Argentina. But they told us, and I said to you, if you just check it out, they told us, you know, America, Latinos, menos argentina and that means latin america <laughs> without argentina and basically all the latin american teams almost like club together and they all hate argentina because and i said why is that and they said because uh, argentina they they think they're better than us they, they they they're not interested in us they think they're better than us they're bigger than us so we um don't care about them so, you know and as far as i'm concerned they're not part of latin america which i thought was a, a very interesting uh concept I can, there I... was uh, sorry 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 andy there was a there was a moment on the metro last night, and it was really loud. And the, the Argentinians are banging on the ceiling of, of of the tube, and they're singing their hearts out. And there was just a little moment of quiet at the end of one song before the next one started. And there were three solitary Mexican fans who just went boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like no, we like that. <laughs> let's make one thing very clear. What whilst I respect their their passion for football. I never said I was a big fan of them because I was in <laughs> I was behind that goal in in Mexico in Mexico City in 1986. And do you know what I mean? When I hear all this, the greatest football of all time, excuse me, just one the greatest goal ever scored and the greatest cheat ever scored in the same game. But anyway, we'll move on. We're not bitter. We should move on for that. So 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 I mean, look, I said to you, frustrating watching it at home. You know, but the thing is that what you did get is obviously, you know, we were in the stadium. We saw the games, you know, great, magnificent stadium that they've got out here. Atmosphere was all right. You know, it was it was not bad, you know, in some of the games. I mean, a little bit of moaning going on, obviously, because England weren't performing, particularly in the USA game. Iran game, it was, a, it was like a it was like a friendly, like, you know. And then obviously the Wales game, you know, first half was a little bit tense because we hadn't scored the goal. But the second half was a bit of a carnival. What was it like watching it back at home? Well, I'm always nervous watching England on the telly. I mean, that you know, it's always worse, as I said earlier. It was hard work. I thought Iran. I expected Iran to put us up a real battle, which is what they did against Wales. I think on the day, the Iranians, all to a man, did not sing that national anthem. There was a protest going on. I think it affected them, and England happened to turn it on. That that was incredible. The the USA game was predictable. You know, USA are a tough side, very very capable. And they snuffed England out. And then the Wales game, once again, it was a predictable up to a point. And then England got got the openings. And thank the Lord for Marcus Rashford, you know, and, and what he did, what he's done for us. And uh, you know, and, and Foden too, of course. So I, I, it, frustrating, but also we, ha- we we haven't been beaten. And the, the big teams, Spain, France, Brazil, and Argentina, have all all lost the game, right? Yeah. So we haven't. So. Uh, all this moaning about Southgate and his tactics, 
It's about winning. And I just want you to do, did you watch it at home on the TV or did you go out to the pub? You know, what was the, what was your vibe? Always at home. Always at home. home. We'll never go to a pub to watch West Ham or England because it's full of idiots. And I'm sorry, (laughs) sorry, sorry, listeners. But, you know, we've all got our opinions. I just want to watch the game. I want to take it on. I want to live the tragedy, all right? (laughs) I find it more tense watching at home on the TV. I mean, we're all prepared. We sit there. I find it more tense um, watching like that. It's better watching in the stadium. I don't know know why, but it seems to, to, to be a... A, cal- a more calming atmosphere, even if the game's tense. But watching on TV, I do. I, I'm the same. I find it quite frustratingly tense. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I mean, I've been here, like I said, only a couple of days. So I've watched a couple of games <clears throat> or a few games, obviously, because you've got you know your what's it now? I'm getting used to the different time zones now, like the three o'clock and the six o'clock game or something like that. Is it now? <laughs> um, yeah. So I've yeah. watched it. Yeah, be watching the games. And uh, but what I found over here, which is that you know, obviously there's positives and negatives in Qatar, um, which we had. And, you know, like we went to a fan zone, which is great fan zone by the sea. There's beaches. There was loads of big screens. It could have probably held about 20, 30,000 people. And there's 500 people sort of kind of rolling around there with tumbleweed, like, you know, and we were like, oh, this is not really great. And we spoke to the organisers there who said, look, it is a bit rubbish to be quite honest with you. We thought it was going to be a lot better than this, um, but it's not. And we're, we're, we're losing lots of money, uh, you know, and I think there's a, there was a the scenario where I think Qatar just presumed they would build and people would come and they didn't actually yeah. re- understand the kind of how, how fans operated really. I mean, you talked about going to the souk. The souk is literally in the middle of the town. It's a 15 minute cab ride pretty much for anywhere that you are. So it's very easy to get to. Whereas these other places are right at the top of town and it's a bit of a schlep. So, you know, people are more likely to go to the souk and what we said is uh we said actually what they should have done because they have got lots of money they should have built about seven souks okay and maybe they should have kept that souk as it is there's no alcohol in there you just you know keep it traditional but then maybe they should just created all these other free zone souks where they've got bars and because that's what people kind of like these little 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 places that you can go into where you could just sit down and just hang out and you're not actually at a big corporate fan zone or a big corporate place where they're shoving you all in in your numbers and that for me if they had done that i think that that would have really kind of because at least even if it isn't real because they've only built it two years ago it would have given a feeling of being sort of kind of a local kind of um you know uh, sort of kind of middle eastern community that people could yeah. hang out with but with stuff in there that they actually also know so you you mix a match between having traditional non-alcohol suits and other suits which maybe serve you know serve beer yeah. i i totally agree because i said to somebody before we came out i said i'm i'm not sure what to expect of how the the, the whole world cup atmosphere will play out and the reason being as you both well know, you go to any World Cup around the world and fans gather in what will be the market square, the centre of town. They sit outside bars. There's lots of friends. I mean, Red Square in Russia with the Croatians. We're all in bars. We're outside and we're having this kind of friendly banter sing off. Uh, you know, the ball's going up in the air. And any World Cup, you have that atmosphere. And it's usually in the non-organised fan zones. It's usually in the town centres, in the bars, in the squares, in the market squares, and that's where the fans gravitate and they'll find somewhere to socialise. Well, that's the difference here. I don't think people want to be put into that that box of a, of a fan zone sometimes, and they've put a lot of effort in that here to create all these spaces, but there's nobody there. No, it's, it's, as I said, it's more zone than fan, to be honest. I mean, it's a bit... I, f- I feel for them a little bit because they put a lot of 
design work in and a lot of care into this stuff. And there's not many people here, you know, a huge amount of money. I mean, it's just uh, God knows how much they spent. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think, but I think that's where FIFA have always wanted this kind of very anodyne family whole thing. Everyone comes together and everyone wears a Ronaldo shirt, everyone wears a Messi shirt, all this sort of stuff. And the fact is that football culture, which has been the reason why football is the world game, is because of the culture, because of the Argentinians, because of the Brazilians, the Mexicans, the English, the Dutch, the Germans, you know, just the way we all do it slightly differently, but we come together for the game. FIFA want this anodyne experience. Well, they've certainly got it out here. There's no doubt about that. They've delivered a fairly anodyne experience. Yeah, we need your advice, Billy. We, they, I saw some great pictures of you celebrating with Brazilian fans and having a beer, so we'll be tapping you up for advice. Of where to- Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah. We're fine. We're going to 100%. Well, I'll actually be able to give you the Brazilian party. The Brazilian party is going to be tomorrow as well in the same place. And uh, I've got the invite from the Movemento, as it's. So the Brazilian movement, who my mates um, introduced me to the guy who actually founded them as well. And he actually founded this movement in 2010 in uh in south africa there are only 10 people at the time now and now he's got hundreds of thousand people and part of this movement that he's got and he, and he just comes over here hires a place has a big party you go inside there they give you beer tokens and you have a bit of a laugh so i will give you um, that information a little bit later off off uh, off uh, off of the, but just coming <laughs> back to it just talking about my experience as well here i the, what i've said is back in london is that i've, I've i'm feeling there's actually no vibe about the world cup hardly at all and i was speaking to my daughter as well who she was gutted that she couldn't come but she's at school she's only 13 years up 14 years old now and so she is not allowed to just go to school and go to the world cups like she's done before and uh and she's really good she said there's absolutely no vibe none of her friends are interested the school's not what she's showing it even at, at school they're not screening it at school so she said to you know she's finding it quite frustrating because she can't really get into it and by the time you know it comes into the evening she said maybe it's because of the weather because it's not it's not cold it's, it's warm it's cold and you know it's not really it's, it's not really a vibe there and, and that's what I'm getting you know radio's talking about it you're hearing about it on tv but I'm not really picking up a world cup vibe at all it, it very much almost reminds me of when I go to France for a world cup where you literally can walk around France and literally you would you wouldn't you wouldn't have any idea there's a tournament going on because the French have got no interest in the World Cups until they get to like the quarterfinals or the semifinals. Then all of a sudden the country sort of sparks up a little bit. But it's been a little bit like that over here. Yeah. That's a shame, I, isn't it? I, I would agree with you. I think there's, a, there's so many things that are different slash potentially wrong about this World Cup. Uh, and, you know, one of them is that it's in the middle of winter. Britain's in a pretty bad place. And I think we've only got one chance. It's the football team to try and cheer us up. The media, fortunately, haven't done all of their, you know, usual, we can win the World Cup. I think we've learned, maybe learned a little bit there. But I do think, you know, the time of year, kids are at school, right? Normally it's in June and July and kids are out and they're out of school and it's a bit more relaxed and everyone's in the holiday field. People have run out of holiday. I mean, that's the other thing. You know, ordinary people who go to work get holiday allowances or whatever, or they're self-employed. They run out. And it's Christmas coming. It's expensive to get out here. And... You know that, that they haven't got the dough, so no, it's yeah. not surprising that people are are looking at this. All of my mates, and I've got loads who you know we've been everywhere together. None of them so far have shown the slightest bit of interest in this, which I'm I'm surprised that. 
I think if we win tonight, big if that, if we win tonight, I think that the dam might start to crack a little bit. But, yeah. you know, we, we'll see with the Jomini come lately because um, I wish them all well. But I think back in the UK, you know, that 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 vibe that we've usually got, it, you know, people are sitting outside, they're watching big screens, they're going to parks and watching it. That obviously can't happen because of the time of year. You know, it, there's lots of little things that have had an impact to kind of take away that that festival vibe where everybody's outside celebrating, putting flags up and all of that. I think that might I have think an to be fair, the Welsh, the Welsh did it. I mean, the Welsh were, for them, it was like, you know, the first That's Welsh true. Cup in yeah. years. And, I mean, everybody I know who's Welsh was out here. And they had the best time. So, yeah. literally, you know, hats off. <laughs> no we bumped, we bumped into a Channel 5 guy out here and he said... He was he was trying to get um, you know comment and um, balance comment from different fans. He said, but it was all Wales. He was getting loads of Welsh fans, and he couldn't find any Eng- England fans. <laughs> That's because they were probably in the bars at the top of hotels on the seventeenth floor of yeah. hotels somewhere, um, or in Dubai. Yeah, having themselves a pint of beer at fifteen quid a pint, which is uh, interesting. But anyway, so coming back to. I've got to talk about England. We won't talk about the game as such because, like I said, this podcast is going to be going out after the game. England, um, they started off very well. You know, Gareth wrote, he rung in a few changes, you know, probably to show kind of like, you know, our flexibility probably as a team, his flexibility as a manager. He's getting under, he's coming under a little bit of abuse for people, which again, I think is a little bit uncalled for because, I mean, if you want to, if you want to give anyone abuse, give the German manager abuse, you know what I'm saying? Give the Belgian manager abuse. That's what's, that's what's, that's what's having a really bad time at the World Cup is all about, but we won't go there. But it shows to show you that we have got a few cards that we can play during this tournament. And he's kind of showed that, but it's almost like to me, he hasn't even shown his full hand. He's kind of like, you know, he's peeped over, like, you know, turned over, you know, a, a king of king of king of hearts and just gone, oh, here we go. I've got one of those here, but I've still got a few unturned here. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think we've got options in the midfield and, and in the attacking positions, not so much in, in the defensive positions, but I think we've got options. Um, and for once, actually, we've got options that are real options. I mean, you know, he, he's struggling to accommodate the attacking players, and that has to be good news for England. I think he struggles naturally as a, as a born defender and a cautious guy. I think he struggles to set a team up to attack. Um, but, you know, it's arguable the last time that an England manager set a team up to attack. It's probably Terry Venables, if truth be told. Um, and it certainly wasn't Alf Ramsey, if you listen to any of the old guys that I know who, who were there at the time. So, uh, yeah, I think we've got options. Um, but I've got a lot of faith in Gareth Southgate as a person. What I like is those players, they're smiling. Those lads are smiling with an England shirt on. You look at Sacco, you look at Rashford, they're smiling, right? And Southgate's got them a team. They are together as a bunch of boys. And the thing is, if they go out tonight, they go out but they're together and there's no backbiting. There's no nonsense in the press from them because they're not doing it. The lads are a team. And I think that is the first time I've, in my memory that we've really been a team. I mean, yes, at Euro 96, possibly, possibly in France, but it didn't really last very long. Certainly in, in Italy, we, we, bung, we sort of bungled through, um, arguably. But this is an England team with a smile on their face. And I think we need to just really enjoy the moment. Because yeah. you know, you never know what comes next with England. Yeah, and 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 just keep coming back to that. Just a little think about it. I thought, actually, no. Tell you what, 
I'm going to put this podcast up because we've had a good old chat and I'm going to put this podcast up before the game so people can have a little listen to your thoughts and my thoughts, you know, and the swapping of continents is a little bit, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that I've got a flight back because I'm not allowed to say things like that before the game because I don't want to jinx it, you know. But I did come back <laughs> by... No, I didn't at all. But I, but I will talk about my flight on the way back here because, as people know, if they listen to this podcast, I do like unusual routes to matches. I mean, I took a route via via the Guyana and across the jungle and then walked across the border of, of Mexico and then across to Boa Vista to get to Manaus. It took me about five days. That was a bit of a mad <laughs> journey. This time I actually got here via Tel Aviv. So we went via Tel Aviv, then Jordan and came down. And then on I my way that. home. Yeah, yeah, it was I great. Saw that. It looked and- like you had a great time. Tel Aviv was very good. And then on the way back, I went via Beirut, as you do, actually. So and, and I'm thinking, you know, I might, I might actually, I've been to Beirut once. It's a great place. Yeah, uh, and I, think I'm, I love it. Yeah, it's a really good place. So I might, you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that I have an excuse to go back to Beirut. I'm not going to say any more than that. Anyway, so like I said to you, so the, these things are happening now, but we do have a game and the game is coming on today. Just briefly, Senegal, um, they're they're and use the word they're no mugs. I mean they're they they they've frightened the bejesus out of a, a few teams in the qualifiers. They're strong, they're hard. They've got um obviously Mane's not playing for them, but Mane, they're not a one person team. And uh, if we're not on our A game, we could uh, we could come a cropper. Hundred uh, percent. I I sort of worry sometimes when I hear fellow England fans, you know, dismissing the opposition uh, without. I mean they should know. A lot of these Senegalese players we know, we know well. We should know that they're they're a strong side. They remind me of the Cameroon team of 1990, and we really struggled that night to get through them with a little bit of luck, frankly. Um, So I'm I'm hoping tonight the class of England and the belief that England have got might just swing it for us. But these guys are strong and they are athletic and they are good footballers. And they're determined. You know, they're, they're the African, they're, they're, they're the sort of, them and Morocco are the African representatives, you know, and, and they're proud and they want to win and more power to them for doing it. So let's just hope we, we get a bit of luck maybe, we, you know, the ball might fall, just that thing. It didn't yeah. work for Australia last night, but you never know. Let's, let's hope so. I, I'm positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's right. And, uh, as far and as we and- can be. That's right. And and your plans for today, because what's happened is that, again, for us, it's quite funny because we were talking about this, like you go out relatively early. I mean, it's probably you're actually on a bit of a late one now, and I'm not going to keep you for too much longer because it's, uh, it's after one o'clock now. But you normally find yourself trying to get out for the one o'clock games, which is what we were doing. And then by the time you've got the one o'clock, you're at the one o'clock game, then you've got the four o'clock game, then you've got the seven o'clock game, the 10 o'clock game. It's like literally it's like Groundhog Day. By the time it comes to midnight, you've been out for like 12 hours. You're like, oh, my God. So you're going to be heading out probably a little bit later, but you've still got quite a long day because the kickoff over there is 10 o'clock at night. What are your plans for the day pre-match? So we're about to leave and go. Uh, we're going over to the West Bay area. We haven't explored that section yet because um, we're staying the other side of the souk at the end of the Corniche. Um, uh, so we're at the other end. So we're going to head over there. We've seen that there's a large fan zone over there. We're just going to have a look at that, get some lunch. But on your mind the whole day, as you know, you're thinking, Right now, I need to start planning my journey. I need to. We've got the route planned. We know what we're doing. We know how the metro to get there, but we're building in extra time to get there so that we're there. We're in the ground and we're sorted. Yeah, and I think we were also tonight in play at the at the ground that's furthest away from the centre of Doha. Um, I mean, nothing's far away here, but it's 
it's like 30, 40 kilometers out of 28, 30 kilometers, something like that, away from, from where we're going. So we've got to add a bit of time, but we'll be there and uh, we'll be smiling and uh, hopefully there'll be, you know, a good atmosphere in the game. I really hope so. I, I hope England's fans and England's players do the country proud because we need it. Yeah, yeah. And please get your walking boots on. Please be prepared to walk because trust me, I the my stepometer. I think I was looking at it on the way back and I must have done seven fourth, 74,000 miles when I was in Doha yeah. when I was yeah. here because because literally what they do is that you come out and uh, you come like we stayed at our friend's house the other day as well. And our friend, he put us up he, and he was right beside the stadium. So he went there to his house, had some beers before the game, which was very nice, actually, as well. Some 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 shawarmas and some beers before the game. And he says, look, the stadium's right there across the road. It's 15 minutes walk. We thought, oh, that's great. We can see the stadium in front of us. We start to go towards there. Then when you get to the point that you think you're going to walk to the stadium, they go, oh, no. And they make you literally walk all yeah. the way around the stadium and you're walking and walking and, and you're thinking, why are you making us walk like this? And I don't know if they're doing it to sort of kind of dissipate the fans and, and kind of just stop any nonsense. Somebody reckons that they, they only do it for the England games and the other games, it's fine. You can actually go straight in, but literally it took no, us about but, an hour to get to the stadium. Enough, funnily enough, last night when we were on the Metro on the way to um, the Argentina Australia game, I saw a, the sign saying, the walkway will be closed between midnight and 2 a.m. So the only thing we can think is we got off the tube. It was really relative, very simple. Off the tube, there's a stadium in front of you. We walk straight in. No problem at all. Less than 10 minutes. Um, however, on the way out, that walkway was closed. And then we had to walk for, I don't know, half an hour, yeah, 40 hour, minutes, yeah. something yeah. like that. And the only thing we can think is the walkway on the way in uh, was like a confined area. So... And everyone arrives at different times, obviously, but I think they're probably thinking 40,000 people trying to get in an enclosed area inside walkway could cause safety issues, which might be why if everyone is leaving at once, they're sending you all around the houses. But but yeah, I saw you say, bring your walking shoes, which we, we've obviously done. Yeah, I, mean, I, just, I, I mean, tonight this, the, the ground holds 60,000. Last night it held 40, so there's going to be more people there, hopefully. Also, you've got to you've got to add in the, all the various uh, security staff and you know helpers and everything else. I reckon there must be about twenty percent more more on the gate for all the all the workers there. Is you know every there's so many people working at the World Cup. It's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, yeah. We, we we spoke to a lot of lot of people. We spoke to a lot of people. Again, if you check out the podcast Pride of West London, check out all the episodes. It's definitely worth checking to. We we spoke to quite a few migrant workers as well who are out here as well who have flown over and they've just come over here to just find work because they haven't got any work in their own countries as well. You know, again, we're not going to go into the issues as to you know as to you know what they should or shouldn't be getting because that's a bigger story. This is not for match day podcasting, but it's just interesting to hear the people's own stories as well and what we may do is we may, we may on this same podcast as well I might tag on a few other little stories that I've got as well you know where I've got I met my friend from uh, Brazil Fernando uh, as well and I might tag on a little little chat that I had with him you know as to how I met him and also we went up to the tent camp and so we, we obviously stayed in the container camp um, where we slept in the container for three days before actually move, making our way to a flat but also we went up to the tent the, the, the infamous tent camp 
Okay. And uh, where all the tents were um, and people stay in the tents. And we spoke to a couple of people who are actually sort of uh, staying in there. So that's very, very interesting. I might, I might just throw that into this podcast as well, just to give everyone a little bit of listening time. But listen, I'm not going to keep you guys any longer because you need to go off and go and watch a match. Go and enjoy yourself. Go up to the suit, go over to the West Bay. Make sure you take the boat over from where you are over the West Bay because that's a wicked little, little, little one. Great yeah. photographs as well like that. So do all that kind of stuff. I'll give you as much information as you need. And the Brazil party, I'll give you that info as well. So enjoy yourselves tonight. Enjoy yourselves at the game. I'll be in the pub watching it with my daughter and you know Bella and 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 and, and DJ Dave and Darren and all them lot. So I'm going to be doing the, the the English thing back in England. You'll be doing the Qatari thing in Qatar. Then fingers crossed, maybe uh, paths will cross in the very near future. Great, thanks, Billy. Pleasure to meet you, Billy. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, we've drawn you in the FA Cup, so you, you've got you, you're going to beat us as you always do. <laughs> that's right yeah West Ham are playing uh, Brentford at our place in the FA Cup in the first week in January and like I said to you hopefully I will meet you very soon but if not I'll definitely meet you for a beer before and after that game in January <laughs> as with all the beers do because you'll be welcome down to our boozer and you could actually meet my coaching co-partner DJ Dave Dave who is a West Ham fan as well so thanks to Kirsty and Andy there there's their thoughts from Qatar like I said to you, a bit of a changing rooms experience there. Fingers crossed everything goes right tonight. You may be hearing this podcast before the match. You might be hearing it after the match. But we'll have plenty more stuff for you to listen to as well. Fingers crossed. Don't forget to subscribe on all good podcast channels. Prideofwest.london we are as well. Give us a nice review if you like what we're doing. Also, don't forget if you like what we're doing, buy us a beer. Besotted.com forward slash beer. My name is Billy Grant and hopefully I'm going to hear from you very soon in the next episode of the Besotted Pride of West London, Besotted from Qatar. Thanks for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.